Want to be sure you always look your best? The Reflections LED Rose Gold Makeup Mirror from Conair makes it easy with all the features you need to groom and apply makeup with precision. Lifetime LED lighting won't ever dim or diminish. No replacement bulbs needed. One-time magnification provides a full view or 10 times magnification for close-up tweezing and details. Designed with a beautiful rose gold finish, the mirror rotates at 360 degrees with a 7.5-inch viewing surface to attend to every feature. Makes a great gift. Go to Conair.com for the Reflections LED Rose Gold Makeup mirror now hello and welcome to Golazo the Mexican football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. And joining me this week, as always, is a Manu Vet. Manu, how are you? Yeah, good. Um, had a nice and relaxing weekend. Um, it's very nice and relaxing, especially because you guys did all the work. So that was nice. <laughs> yes. Uh, for anyone that missed it on the Football Grad Network, um, myself and Chris Williams from the Gag and Pressing podcast, we were actually at the Emirates Stadium uh, in London, uh, Arsenal's home, uh, for the Emirates Cup, their little friendly competition where uh, RB Leipzig were there. That we had a special uh, interest in them, obviously, uh, rather than Arsenal, Sevilla and Benfica. No offence to them, but obviously we like things Mexican and we like things German. So, um, yeah, we, we weren't there and that was, that was a good weekend. It was good fun. Spent a bit of time in the uh, media area of the Emirates, uh, something I have too much experience of. But, um, yeah, it was, it was a really good time. Um, so yeah, you got a bit of a weekend off, didn't you? Yeah, I did. It was nice. I, I just checked in every once in a while, saw what you guys were up to on the Twitter feed, and yeah, job well done. I have to say, it, it looked really fantastic. And you know, for everyone who's more interested, I guess has to go over to the Gigging Pressing podcast after finishing with this one and check out what you guys were up to. Yeah, that's it. We we got some uh, interview clips uh, and a few other things. So uh, yeah, definitely check into that if. Uh, if you're uh, interested in German football, that is. But um, joining uh, Manu and I is Oli. Oli, you're back. I am, yes. I'm back for my third pod. Yes, excited to be back again after another weekend of Liga MX. Lovely. We're delighted to have you back. Um, there's plenty going on on Twitter, as um, you guys would have seen between the three of us um, <laughs> watching the games this weekend. As always, Twitter, Liga MX and GIFs. They just go hand in hand, don't they? It's great <laughs> times. Uh, but we had lots of fun, and uh, I suppose we'd better jump in and uh, discuss some of it. We're, we're going to talk about the uh, the different uh, games uh, very shortly, but but first we're going to address um, a bit of an issue with uh, with TV rights, uh, broadcasting rights. Uh, we obviously mentioned that uh, Lobos have had their uh, issues uh, in setting uh, themselves up at the start of the season, um, and their first few games will not be broadcast uh, whatsoever but this is um, about Univision uh, and they're being sued over their Facebook deal so anyone that um, is unaware uh, Univision uh, based in uh, North America they um, they're one of the TV stations um, that show it um, I end up uh, watching stuff through them as as well I'm not too sure about uh, the two other fellas here but um, yeah they, they've decided to uh, broadcast stuff over Facebook uh, but um, yeah, not everyone's happy about it, are they, Manu? Yeah, and this 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 lawsuit is from Dish. So Dish is in the United States. Um, so if you're not living in the United States and you're like Liga MX is on Facebook, it's like, well, yeah, no, it's not for you because it's only on Facebook if you live in the United States, and that's because Univision is a um, public TV station. So to explain that, it's similar to what the BBC is like. In the United Kingdom, there are certain stations in the United States that are public. So PBS is one of them. Univision is another. NBC, um, their, their normal channel is public as well. So um, you can watch Premier League games on NBC for free. Um, it's part of a public te- television um, deal that they have down there. So Univision is one of them. That doesn't mean necessarily that they're completely free because you still have to sign a deal with a, a cable or satellite package. Uh, this is a very North American thing and not a lot of European countries have this. And Dish is a satellite package company. So you get 
you sign on with this, you pay your monthly fee, uh, you select a certain amount of programs depending on how much uh, many programs you select, uh, the, the price will vary, of course. And of course, as part of the, and this is not the normal, usually the normal package to be part of Dish or, you know, any of the other, uh, companies that are down there will surely have a thing or two to say about this too. Um, you will get Univision as the standard package and Dish then gets money, right? So Dish has now said, well, wait a minute. You are basically supplying something that we usually would get money for, for free on Facebook. Um, and some of the games, of course, uh, are part of the Univision Deportes, which is actually a channel that you have to pay extra for. And they shouldn't, they are saying, well, technically speaking, they shouldn't be available for free on Facebook. Now, um, does this mean this will all get shut down? No, it will depend on, on how the laws will, um, interpret things. Because, of course, Univision is not the only, only station that has made things available. Um, on via streaming services on Facebook. Um, there's a couple other stations that have gone the Twitter route. There's a couple other stations that have gone Amazon. Um, so they, this will, this will be, could be one of those landmark, uh, lawsuits that will probably drag on a few years as they usually do on the, to determine how can you stream games on something that is technically available for free, right? Because Facebook is available for free. You have to, of course, sign up and, you see advertisements, uh, you are bombarded with advertisements if you are part of the Facebook community. But technically speaking, it's free, right? So it will be interesting to see how this develop. Um, I think for one, uh, it's one of this, it's one of, a, it's a part of a bigger struggle that we're sort of seeing. Um, to get a little bit off topic, television numbers are down for live sports and that's because people are watching online. And they, we are now at a point where television deals are the higher than ever. And when you look at the Premier League, for example, the numbers were down by 14% yes, last year in terms of viewing um, on, on television. The NFL had similar numbers. So I can see why these cable distribution companies are fighting this. But um, it will be interesting to see how this pans out. Because, of course, new technology means that the way we consume sport or television is changing dramatically. I mean, you see the Netflix is, is killing TV stations all over North America right now. So I'll be really interested to see this particular lawsuit unfold and see how it will change um, the way we consume um, television or really consume sport. Well, Manu, we, we talk, obviously, um, likes of uh, Europe I'm going to speak to, uh, for Europe because that's obviously where I am and where I know a little bit more about. But um, if you look at the Premier League or the Bundesliga, for example, you have the same TV deal is done for the entire league. But so as we've explained before, that in Mexico you you basically deal your own cards, don't you? You know, you 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 organize your own rights. Uh, hence the the Lubos issue. But um, do, do the sides actually get do, good deals out of this? I mean, we always talk about the Premier League, you know, buying players for silly money uh, because they get so much money, you know, from TV rights. Well, what's it like in Mexico? Do they do they get silly money or what's it what's it like when you get to negotiate that yourself? Well, <laughs> it's a bit different in Mexico. Now, a lot of the times it's decentralized television marketing, right? So how the same way it used to be in Spain until this season, I think centralized television marketing is, is kicking in in Spain this season. So that will, will change. But, uh, technically speaking, all the clubs can negotiate the independent television deals. Now, this means that, um, some teams will have better deals than others and some teams as a result are richer than others and they get good deals. But in Mexico, this goes a step further even, you know, that some of the teams, um, don't only negotiate, um, deals with television companies, but they're actually straight out owned by television or, um, television companies or the subsidiaries or, you know, sometimes, um, sometimes a part of, a media empire and Club America is a good example for this. They are, they are owned by Televisa, you know, and Televisa is, um, is one of the largest television stations in the world. And Televisa is actually the company that owns Univision in the United States. So 
you know, you get teams directly associated to these, to these television companies. And, um, that makes it, I don't know how much money they will directly get from that, but, um, Club America, Rich's team, right? And I assume that as part of being a television company, they, they'll get a certain amount of money from, from the owners to make sure that they are a good product. Other teams have gone a completely different route. Chivas has completely disassociated themselves from any television station in Mexico. And uh, instead, you have to buy um, a television package through Chivas online on their homepage. And uh, you can watch the games that way. So, and that's more, probably mostly a reaction to the fact that Club America, which are, which are their biggest rivals, are owned by Televisa. right? So that, that's a bit of a standoff. But... You see that quite a bit. I mean, the Lobos, Lobos is a good example too, because I am, I believe when they were refounded, I did a bit of history. Um, television companies had a big involvement in that, you know, because, you know, it, it's, it's good. It's good for a media company to be involved in football because sports is one, and this is despite numbers dropping, sports is one of the few things that people still watch live on television. And, um, therefore, you know, a sports team is a good investment. Uh, Ollie, what would you say about, um, well, Univision's attempt to stream football on Facebook? Do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, it could be seen as a good thing to promote Liga MX, right? I mean, it's going to get more people involved. I mean, it's it's not exactly the easiest league to watch, sure, because of the timings in in, in Europe. But, you know, it's it's also not really broadcast over here, is it? No, I mean, it's not on any TV at all. The way I have to watch it is either through watching it on YouTube or just finding, like, different streams online. It would be a good way of yeah, promoting the league outside of, like, Central North America because the appetite for Mexican football in Europe is probably very, very small. It, ne- it needs a way of being promoted, and doing that via Facebook is a really smart idea. It's what Manu touched on, the way street, uh, like uh, social media sites, like Netflix, for example, are going to be... What TV? Where people going to watch their TV? I, I think there's a documentary about Necaxa on Netflix. I think it's not on, on like American Netflix. So that's one way of trying to get their like brand in inverted commas like out there. So I think it, 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 it is, is. Is that English speaking, Ollie? What uh, Necaxa? Yeah, the Necaxa documentary. Or I think, is it, or is I, think it? I think it is English speaking. I can't. I haven't watched it, so I might be wrong there. But I do think it is English speaking. Yeah. But no, yeah, go, yeah, go back to Facebook. I think it is it's a good way to promote the league itself. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, uh, as Manu said, uh, Universe only hold it on uh, Facebook uh, streams in North America. But uh, uh, Manu, do you, do you see um, Universe or anyone else being able to push this uh, on Facebook over the entire world? Well, you're talking multiple ownership groups you're talking you know television rights and uh, the a little too tricky it's a little tricky right univision would have to own the, the television rights from um, not just the united states but let's say canada um united kingdom um all the different european countries um, i think someone like eurosport for example or in germany sport 1 which is um the kind of company that would show that They'd be interested in that. Um, Laola is another one that's quite getting quite big in Europe, and they only show football games online. Um, we have been recently in contact with a dozen um, a German-English uh, online company that is trying to become uh, the Netflix of sport. So someone like that would be very interested. But you still um, have regional restrictions. You know and that's quite easy to do on Facebook. You can easily restrict. Um, a video that is posted on Facebook uh, regionally so that only a certain group of people be, are able to see it. So I think, I personally think that is the future. I think that the way we are consuming uh, television ha- is changing dramatically. Our generation doesn't need television packages that have 2,000 channels, you know, and that's still oftentimes the case. When I when I turn on my cable box uh, here in Canada, there's 2,000 channels on there, and I need maybe 10 or 15, right? Because they show the sport that I need. And for uh, soap operas, television, etc., I go on Netflix or HBO on demand because 
there's only certain things I need to want to watch and I don't want advertisement. I don't want all those things that the generation previously was so adjusted to. So I think millennials in general will change the way we consume sports. And I think Liga MX has been one of the first to embrace that really to, you know, be smart about it and go down that route because they obviously supported that Facebook push and to go and deal with online companies, small emerging online companies and place the product on there, you are able to get a target group that is yet, that is still younger, like our generation, right? It's going to be around for a long time and is obviously consuming sport very differently than anyone else is doing. So I think that because of that, um, they are on the right way. And I, I, I'm very curious to see um, how that will result in their stand in this particular lawsuit. But, you know, um, the television companies that are behind some of the big teams, um, we're talking, you know, Atlas is another one that's behind, owned by a big television company, for example. They know this and they know that the way people are consuming is changing. Yeah, very much uh, times are changing in that area. And we'll just have to see how that pans out in the uh, well, the next few months, this, uh, this lawsuit. But um, guys, let's talk about the football. Let's uh, talk about the stuff on the pitch. Um, it was match day two this week and it opened with Puebla versus uh, Morelia. Uh, not exactly the the best game that we've seen this weekend, or that we might see all season. To be honest, um, the game finished there one all, uh, but it it wasn't really a, a much of a classic. Uh, I mean, was it possibly the worst game that we've seen so far, Ollie? I mean, in my opinion, I mean, you've got to say that Chivas Toluca uh, was was pretty bad as well. You know, in a in week. In week one, wasn't it? I mean, in that game, for example, I mean, the stats were appalling. I mean, the pa- the passing stats were 268 accurate passes to 156. I mean, jeez, jeez Louise. Um, was this one worse? I think it was, yeah. I think you could also make a case in match day one of uh, Club America Quartara. That was also poor. But, yeah, probably Morelia was not not one. It was one for the purists, as you would say, yeah. I mean, Morelia were missing Rui Diaz and Rocha and it really showed like going forward they were just atrocious and Puebla just again just did not they just didn't look like they're going to ever create something meaningful I mean yes they scored they got the goal was a good goal but it was just a, a game that would just like pass many people by and you can see why both sides could be in trouble with relegation this season probably Puebla more than Morelia yeah yeah, that that poor. Um, I uh, I thankfully missed this game, uh, and then when I went to watch the highlights, heard so many complaints. I thought, you know what, the other guys have, have injured this, so I'll just uh, I'll maybe give that one a miss. Manu, did you see this game? Yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> we were talking about it, weren't we, Ollie? Yeah, <laughs> I was uh, thankfully outside and uh, occupied barbecuing at the same time while I was watching this game. So, uh, at least I could sort of try to ignore it, but it wasn't, it wasn't great. And, um, Poebla scored both goals, didn't they? <laughs> they did. <laughs> and, uh, same player as well. Same player as well. So it's, you know, it's, um, it, it wasn't a feast. Let's say it that way. Let's say it <laughs> the polite way because, um, and I was a little worried after this game, um, thinking it's like, oh, the last match day wasn't wasn't one to behold off. And uh, if this is the uh, the way it's kicking off, um, we might be might be in trouble. But thankfully, um, we saw a couple other games this weekend that were a lot better than this one. Yeah, things definitely got better, didn't they? But uh, before we move away from this game, because I don't think we really need to spend very very long on it, do we? If we're honest. Uh, do we see uh, Puebla and Morelia you you having having a, a bad enough season? You know that it's going to put them in uh, relegation contentions. Well, I think the relegation this year is going to be very interesting, and um, I know it's really early, and I know it's it's going. We, we have to see how well Lobos do, um, because you know obviously have them only having that one season. Um, everything depends on their point average this year on whether or not they stay up. But I took a look at the relegation table and Veracruz are last right now. Um, keep in mind 
This is a quick reminder. If you want to find out more about relegation, listen back to podcast number one. But it's the average point total over the last three full seasons or six half seasons that determine whether or not you go down, right? So that means that teams like Veracruz, uh, Veracruz is last right now because the point average over the last three seasons was 1.0571, which is very low. And I think they're probably the favorite this season to go down um, if Lobos keep up with their good form. But, and this, this was a surprising one for me, uh, Atlas are down there. As is Carotaro, uh, Poebla, and uh, Cruz Azul. Although, you know, their point averages still look good. And I know it's still early, only two match days, and, and um, this, calendar, this, this table doesn't actually get concluded until the full half seasons are finished. But still, it's interesting to see that. Um, and of course, so yeah, Carotaro were very poor. Uh, it absolutely got demolished by Lobos. And uh, I don't know, Ali, I mean, this is... This is a side that could slip into that relegation zone if they don't watch it, right? I mean, I know relegation is a difficult one to follow, but that is a team that has to watch it, especially because you know, we get into Atlas in a moment here. Uh, but Atlas have been looking good early on. Yeah, I agree. I think Atlas, will, I think, will be safe. They've just they they look really good this season. Okay, two games in, they won the but six points so far, but they do look a cut above the rest of those uh, the pack of teams in the relegation zone. I think. It's, I have to see it being a four-way between, obviously, Lobos, Veracruz, Croatia and Puebla. But Croatia, yeah, like, against Lobos, they're absolutely dreadful. I mean, I've watched them for about a year now. And that's one of the worst I've seen them play. Just going forward, just so disjointed. And then at the back, was all over the place. I think if it wasn't for Volpe for a couple of days, that could have easily been six or seven. I mean, I think I was saying in the first podcast how important Volpe is to Croatia and if he goes, I think I saw last week he was he's been linked with Benfica. I don't know how strong these links are, but if he does go, they're going to be in real trouble. Yeah, you can't can't blame him either. I mean, mm. he's been been the the real difference in that side oh, yeah. this last year. I mean, the amount of saves that he's made that's kept them in games is it's been phenomenal, really. I mean, uh, I, I, if we look at that game against Lobos, I mean, we all kind of said that Lobos could be out of their depth this year even though they signed a, you know, a few players of uh, experience but I mean that first half I mean nine shots to three to the away team a team that's newly promoted I mean that just shows how bad they were 59% of the possession I mean they totally dominated that you know in the second half it wasn't much different I mean Quartaro came into it a bit more but yeah really just they, they offered nothing I mean I'm, I'm really quite quite shocked. I mean, as you said, you know, if, if Opie wasn't there, it's it could have been double figures. Oh, easily, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Lobos reply, I mean, signing Lewis and Julian Quinenos has just been like absolute stroke of genius. They have started this season in remarkable form. I mean, Julian especially, two goals in two, and just every time Lobos went forward, you just thought, they're just going to score here because Quartaro was just all over the place. And then even at the back, the just five at the back that um, Quinte is playing at the moment it just it's just working so well and considering the amount of new players they've got you thought okay but this could be it could go badly wrong if they're going to play like eight out of the 11 new starters but it's working wonders at the moment yeah that opening header as well that yeah. was like uh it was like a heat-seeking missile wasn't it, <laughs> it was brilliant and i was just like wow they're one nil up they're giving it a bit of a go definitely didn't see them uh scoring three in the no. second half Unbelievable, but uh, I mean, fair play to them. And as we said, you know, they're they're going to be rated out of uh, one year's points average, and they're definitely starting uh, at, in the right way, aren't they? I mean, they're it's it's good when you see um when you see a newly promoted side come up, you know, and and they take that momentum, you know, that they've they've gathered, and you know, they kind of push on with it, and see, yeah, they seem to be having a really good time with it. Um, whether they can keep it up. I I don't know. It's it's going to be tough for them. I mean, do any of you guys think that they're going to be able to to keep going? I mean, if we look at next week, they're home to Pachuca. Pachuca haven't started well at all, but I don't know. It's it, it's it's tough to come up against these big teams and keep that momentum going. Manu, do do you see see them getting another three points in that game? Well, it's it's tricky. I mean, newly promoted sides. Playing Pachuca next, right? 
Um, yeah, yeah, they are. We'll, we'll see. I mean, they have surprised us so far. And I mean, Pachuca failed to score a goal so far. Mm, yeah, which is a, a surprise. We we all hoped, of course, that Honda would make an appearance. He didn't. And um, I mean, sooner or later, that Pachuca side will have to start scoring goals. But you know, I'm. I think we we all thought we were slightly optimistic about Lobos this season, weren't we? Because of the yeah. the the way they put together a team and brought on lone players that had obviously had something to prove, and um, they're showing they're showing right now that there is something to that theory. You know that um, they they were doing the right things um, to put together a squad, but it's still early going. Um, and two matches in, they, they're probably still surprising sides a little bit. Um, and they can, you know, be, be with doing, by doing that, they, they're probably getting points that we did not expect. But, you know, 4-0 win against Keretaro is quite a statement. I mean, that, that's something you can't really disregard. Um, yeah, on the road, on too. On the road, too. And it, not an easy place to play, either. And I thought they were good, you know, against Santos Laguna too. He got a very good result against a top side in this league. Um, and Santos Laguna was was very strong in the second half um, against Tigres. So, you know, it's obviously a good team. I think we'll have to wait and see. And Nikaja showed us last season that promoted sides can do well. So we'll see if they can duplicate that. I mean, just to go back to uh, Atlas, obviously they've started very strongly winning uh, two games on the bounce. They, this week they were at home weren't they to uh, Pumas um, what a cross Rafa Marquez put oh. in for that second goal for the winning goal <laughs> that was that was exquisite wasn't it Ollie? Oh, it was just delightful I mean like I saw him just like running forward from defence thinking hang on what's he going to do here and then just to just whip that absolutely perfectly for Alice Teaser it was just like you are just so good Rafa you're just so good yeah even at 38 just to do something like that for a game winning assist is just superb that's it, and that is right. You didn't hear wrong. He did say running at thirty years. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, but what what a cross! That would, that would mean Manu, you'll you'll back us up as well and just say that was that was a fantastic goal, wasn't it? Oh. Yeah, and uh, I guess I kind of gave it away. Um, I, I do support Pumas quite a bit. It's my favorite side in in Liga MX. But yeah, Rafa, oh, not, Rafa, not that a good was time for them. Oh, but that that ball. I mean. Yeah, a guy actually headed it in, but uh, <laughs> to spot that, um, and as you were saying, you know, to, to do that sprint up, and that wasn't his first sprint up the side either, wasn't it? Marcus had a very good game, I thought. Uh, oh, yeah. He's age 38, and a lot of people at the Confederations Cup, I talked to a bunch of Mexican journalists, and it's like, yeah, you know, he's going into twilight of his career. He's not that important anymore of a player. Um, well, they were wrong. He's um, still has it, and he looks fit. He, you know, he still looks like a guy who can play um, that f- very physical, demanding style of football that you have to be playing uh, to be successful in Liga MX. And remember, it's a league where you oftentimes have to deal with altitude, um, altitude differences to up to two thousand three hundred meters in uh, altitude that you have to play. Places like Pachuca or even Mexico City. So it's not an easy place to end your career as a 38-year-old. And he's doing it in strides. And to run up the ball, and that cross was, what, eight yards um, across the, the halfway line? And to spot that and play that, it's, and it's so hard to defend, too. I, I, I can't. If, if I mean, if you want to know what we're talking about, head to YouTube and uh, find find the score, the game winner, um, Atlas's game winner against Pumas, uh, exquisite. And yes, a guy did end up heading it into the net, but it's really Rafa Marquez who made the goal happen. <laughs> yeah, that that's it. Was more the cross there. I mean, don't get me wrong, a fine header, but it was a cross that really made that uh, that goal. Uh, yeah, definitely check that one out. So that means uh, Atlas um, actually play Toluca next, and Toluca managed a three-one win over Leon. Uh, well done, Toluca! But I mean, uh, Oli, how how bad have Leon been? It's been an atrocious start. Conceded six goals, only scored one. I mean, that that's not what we uh, expected because they, they they were fairly sharp last year. They look their attacking play was uh, a joy to watch. Really, and this year they've been 
They've been very poor. I yeah, mean, they were. Two games in, but it's been bad. Yeah, I mean, when Torrenti first came in last year, he just Leon just looked a completely different animal. Really, like he just with with Mejia coming in in January as well, they dipped a bit, but then came back strong. But yeah, it started so badly. I mean, defensively, they are all over the place. I mean, I know Bedisso's out for like six to eight months, but mm. the backups they've got aren't too bad. But I mean, there was some shocking defending at the weekend. Yarbrough didn't exactly cover himself in glory as well for at least one of the goals, if not another one. But I mean, it was a weird one. Going forward, they actually looked quite good. On another day, I, I definitely think Leon could have scored three or four. There were a few chances that were just wide and some good blocking uh, defending from Toluca. But yeah, I mean, you can't just, you can't go considering six goals in your first two games and rely on your attack. It's just, just not good enough. And I mean, there's rumours of Torrente could be the first manager to get sacked. It wouldn't be that much of a surprise considering how poor they were in the Closera. And if this poor start continues, I mean, could be the first manager sacked. Yeah, but you know, Toluca is a strong side though, right? I mean, they were they are, very, yeah. very good last year and they, they had hopes to win uh, a title because it was their um, 100-year anniversary of the club, right? And uh, there was they were really hoping that they would win a title. And in that match in particular, they lost their goalkeeper early on, um, did, yeah. which looked like a twisted knee. I, I haven't quite found out what it was, but um, it did not look like good news. And then to actually um, being in a dressing room after one of your players goes down with a heavy injury, um, it is concerning. And to then come out and still win a game like that 3-1, I think there's something to be said about that. Um, and to Luca. In general, I find that's that's a side that we uh, that gets discounted quite a bit, and yet it has one of the most fanatic supports. You know that that stadium is always completely red when you watch it. It's it's a beautiful facility, and um, they play really good football there, Re really good football. And it's one of those clubs that are actually well run. So it's actually interesting that you know they don't get the credit that they deserve almost. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they've done really well. So far, um, I mean, guys, do you, do you think Toluca will be able to keep it up? I mean, they're playing Atlas next. That that could be a, a very interesting game, right? It's, that's the uh, the Sunday morning for you, Manu, or the the Sunday evening for, uh, for the likes of uh, Oli and I. That that should be an interesting game, right? That really should be, yeah. I mean, two sides that have started the season well. Mm. Hopefully, that, that should be a in interesting match. Yeah, could be the game of next week. Yeah, could be easily, yeah. Ah, uh, well, maybe pick one at the end, uh, and we'll we'll just see who uh, who picks that one, eh? Whoever I go to first, probably. But uh, speaking <laughs> of strong sides, let's talk about Cruz Azul. Yeah, what, what, once what again, happened, you... what happened there, uh, Bryce? Didn't you uh, make yeah. uh, you you went out and you made a bet? Did I did? <laughs> I you guys managed to trick me into it, uh, kind of uh, getting me back my own good. Um, <laughs> But yeah, they were 1-0 up at 31 minutes, you know, and I'm, I insisted that they park the bus. Uh, they didn't park the bus well enough. Uh, but in saying that, uh, to be fair, Rodolfo Pizarro, what a goal. What a goal. I mean, That's nobody was work. stopping oh. that. Oh. <laughs> he beats two players, uh, basically side, you know, steps sideways past one, steps sideways past the other one. The other defender comes across as quick as he can to get it, but he just curls it past the goalkeeper. And what a goal that was. I mean, as much as I was like, oh, there goes my prediction, I, I just couldn't be annoyed. That was just fantastic. <laughs> I mean, I, I, though in, in saying that, in my defense, I think Cruz all played pretty well. Uh, Ollie, you were watching the game. We were tweeting and messaging away. Uh, uh, what a goal that was. But um, you, you, I'm guessing you backed me and say Cruz all look okay, actually, this season so far. I mean, again, we keep saying so far, we're only two games in, but, I mean, that's all we've got to talk about, right? Exactly, yeah, and I would fully agree with you. Yeah, they've looked very good at the start of the season. Yeah, again, they were the better side than Chivas for the entire game. Just one moment of brilliance from Pizarro earned them the point. You would have liked to have seen Cruz go for it a bit more when uh, Hernandez got sent off. But mm. even so, just throughout the team now, Cruz looks strong. They've, they've bought well. I mean, Edgar Mendes looks a really good buy from Hemmer. It's just, I mean, started against Tijuana, scored his first two goals, and again here it looked really dangerous just coming down, coming down the line. Calderucho still hasn't has failed to deliver just as yet, still yet to score this season, didn't really do much last season, but 
they've got a strong spine now. If they, I think the, on the bench, I think they've got some good players as well. So, yeah, could it be Cruiser's all year? Probably not, but they're going to give it a go. Yeah, I think as, as much as I would love to go, yeah, see, I told you Cruiser's all would win, you know, the, the championship. Uh, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm, I'm not going to predict that. I, I think I think they've, uh, they've, upset, they've upset their fans enough. I think over the last few years. But um, I must say, I'm, I made a prediction. I was wrong, but you know, I, I, I think they were they were pretty good for it. Um, apart from a, a Golazzo, you know, mm-hmm. that that was uh, scored past them. And yeah, I think it could be a good year for them. Maybe not championship winning, but yeah, I, I, I think things could be. Uh, be okay in the cruisers all camp they're away to leon uh this weekend and I, I think they've got to fancy themselves really um guys uh, we're gonna talk a little bit uh about a more controversial uh game uh unfortunately i've i've missed this one i've only seen uh, some of the highlights uh but not the highlights maybe you guys are going to talk about okay we're going to move on to another game now we've seen as santos laguna take on tigres this game ended one all with a red card included for tigres uh i'd love to say that we're talking about it because it was a hell of a game but we're talking about it more for controversial reasons um both of you um seem to agree that probably a video assisted referee would would probably be a good choice i mean Ollie, talk us through what exactly happened in this game. Um, uh, the, the, there's a lot of controversy uh, surrounding it. And um, what what, ex- what exactly went on? The two big ones are the two wrong penalty call, uh, non-calls by the uh, ref. So the first one was for Santos Laguna. And I think it was Osvaldo Martinez, who had, was in on like the right-hand side of the box, did like a nice turn to get past uh, Torres Nilo. And when he tried to get past it, Torres just basically just stood there and blocked him. And he's saying, okay, that's just a blatant penalty. And the ref just waved it away. It was just totally bizarre. And then you have one in the second half for Tigre, Aquino down the left, cut inside, sort of lost, like the ball went out of his feet a little bit and he tried to sort of poke it across. And like his right foot just got stamped on. Mm. And again, not a penalty. It was just like, if you had video assistant referee, it would take, okay, it was taking quite a, a while in the confederations, but it would take you 10 seconds to see Oh yeah, that's a penalty. That's a penalty. It just in this modern era, you, you, if you've got it available, why would you not use it to clear up these wrong errors? Yeah, I mean, Manu, you've seen uh, an awful lot of the Confederations Cup, and obviously they use the VAR. Um, maybe they need to to improve it a little bit. It was a, a slightly slow. A lot of people complaining about it, but yeah, I mean, we've we've seen in other sports, you know, that there's certainly a place for it. Just like Ollie said, you know, and why didn't why not put this in place it's gonna be in the bundesliga this year isn't it yeah it is and um uh, i had my issues with var at the confederations cup but i think the problem with the uh the confederations cup was that the referees weren't schooled um the right way to use it and uh, the most obvious one was of course chile um i think it was yara who almost broke Timo Werner's jar and then the Serbian referee looked at the replay and still only gave him a yellow. Um, I think, you know, obviously didn't understand quite how to use VAR the right way. But I think uh, in the Bundesliga, that's going to be an interesting one to watch. They have now tested and schooled referees for a year before they actually brought in. It was running um, last year already, it just wasn't used. So the VAR was um, being basically being used offline last season in the Bundesliga. And it's going to be curious to see how it's going to work in that league. MLS is also bringing in it. Um, of course, they're rushing it a little bit because they know that, um, probably know that they want to be kind of the first, I guess, to use it. Um, it's, a, it's an American thing, I guess. Uh, so they're bringing it in. Um, be interesting to watch. I'm personally, I'm for it. I am not for it the way it was used at the Confederations Cup because that was a mess. But I think that's because there was a whole bunch of referees there that just didn't know what they were doing. I think there's also a general issues with referees refereeing games that are out of their league. Um, that's again a different topic altogether. But I think, um, if you have good referees schooled in the right way um, to make decisions like that, it is something that needs to happen. And that game in particular was a, was a good example because it was actually a, a good match, 
and um, had deserved more goals. Um, there was a lot of drama in this match too. <laughs> I slightly want to point out Anna Valencia after scoring three goals managed to get sent off in the second game. Um, but, you know, the referees seem very much at loss and uh, Liga MX is one of the fastest leagues in the world to watch. We're going to talk about that in a moment. It's one of the most demanding leagues to referee. And I think it's a perfect league to use VAR for. Yeah, I think it would be a great addition. And to be honest, I, I think most uh, leagues around the world should be trying it out uh, and enrolling it, really. But um, let's see if that is the case. Uh, I mean, starting with the likes of the Bundesliga and a few of the other leagues is going to be going about it the right way and then hopefully we can get it across the board eh? but um, speaking of the uh, game uh, a man that we mentioned uh, a few weeks ago before the season started uh, one to watch was uh, Eduardo Vargas um, who seems to be starting the uh, the season off pretty well Ollie. I mean how, how was his performance this weekend? Again impressive yeah I mean he scored a lovely goal and it was a great build up play from Tiga but the ball came back to him in the box. He sort of like faked the shot and just sort of mm. just poked it home. It's really lovely play from him. Yeah, I mean he's played three games so far. If you include the uh, Campion de Campeones, he scored two goals. And he's just like, yeah, he's looking when he first joined. He's thinking this is the Vargas we wanted to see. Like he's, he's put out. I mean, okay, Valencia had a good hat in his first game, but I think Vargas is outperforming the ball at the moment. I think he's looking like yeah, the real deal. And if he can keep up this form. I mean, Tigre, again, was going to be up there anyway, but again, could really push on this season. Yeah, Manu, obviously speaking about Vargas, he's a Chilean. Uh, we, we see quite a, quite a few Chilean players um, enter Liga MX. Uh, why do you think that is? Why, what do you think the link between the two leagues is? Yeah, this is an interesting one. Um, you know, we've noted that there is now 20 Chilean footballers in Liga MX um, and 12 of them started for their respective teams on this match day. And um, there's more and more coming into this league. Um, you know, Sagal is a recent addition, a note for recent addition. Um, Vargas is already there. Puch is already there. And um, strikers in particular seem to seem to make their way into this competition, and um, I think it's I I have some theories. I think one of the theories is that the, the Chilean the league in itself is struggling somehow. Um, it's not the best league in South America right now, and Liga MX is one of the most competitive leagues. Um, in in the world maybe even you know there's um, we, we we talked about this off the pod um Juan Malilo a very influential coach um has claimed in an interview last year and I, I explained in a moment why this is important and why I'm going back one year that Liga MX is the best league in the world and um Lilo is of course a coach who is very influential with Pizzi and Pizzi is of course the very successful Chilean national team coach and um, having that kind of influence Lilo has also um, mentored Pep Guardiola uh, I think that lots of people don't know Pep Guardiola saw out his career in Mexico and took a lot from the Mexican game to build his philosophy in Europe and Lilo said something very important he said the Liga MX is the best league in the world and of course, now everyone will scream, oh, that can't be right. It must be the Premier League. It must be the Bundesliga. It might be this area. But when you actually hear him out, there's something that I think makes sense. And that, that I will bridge this to go back to the Chileans in a second. He says it's the best league in the world because of its attacking football. But the way they play the attacking football is because they, um, they know how to build up the play so well from the back and move quickly forward. And that, that, that is actually a way more difficult to do than playing defensive football in itself. And they do it in a way that it makes it look good. It's um, actually played in a way that it, is, it doesn't look disjointed. The passes are crisp. And um, it creates a style of football that's very pleasing on the eye. And uh, we, we talk often about, on this part, how wonderful it is to watch Liga MX 
football because of its attacking style of football. But we don't have really have talked about how difficult that is to play. Now, if you, the coach of Chile and the Chile, I, I have said this and um, I've been criticized for it, but I, I still believe this. I think that the Chilean national team is bigger than the sum of its, all of its parts. Um, what I mean by that is that as individual players, there is good individual players. But they don't have the star power than a lot of the national teams have, even in their own confederation. Yet they, they have won trophies. They have dominated South America. And they have done well at the World Cup and international tournaments, you know, the Confederations Cup. They dominated Germany in the first 15 minutes and they just didn't have the lack or the stamina to um, hold this young German side at bay. And when they considered the goal, um, somewhat looked deflated, especially in the second half. But Pizzi is, very, is a very good coach, and I think what he has identified is that Liga MX schools players very well. So um, Chilean players, the way they play their football is not necessarily very adaptable to the way we play football in Europe. It's a very aggressive style of football. It's a very attacking-minded style of football. It's a very guns-blazing come-out-of-the-dressing-room strong physical football and the first 15 minutes against Germany in both the games in the Confederations Cup were actually a good example for this because the Chilean national team came out guns blazing and really um, the German national team didn't know what to do with it. They, they, you know, in the first game they conceded and it took them um, some time to, to deal with it. The second game the Germans did better and they were able to keep the Chileans at bay but this is the kind of football that they play in Mexico. So if you as a Chilean national team, you know that is a style that works for you and your national team coach has identified Liga MX as the, the league where you can get that kind of football and you are a Chilean player who's trying to make a development step and Sagal is a good example because he played in Chile and he needs to develop in a certain way so he can make the step to Europe. Nico Castillo is another one who went to Europe and he struggled there and now is in Liga MX. Eduardo Vargas is another one. He's a player who went to Europe, he struggled there and now he plays in Liga MX and that's because that style suits them. But it's actually also a style that will benefit them and then in, as a result will benefit the national team. So I can see that being a major factor in that. Yeah, one of the players that I actually uh, highlighted uh, going into the season was uh, a Cruz Azul. God, I must sound like I'm a Cruz Azul fan. Uh, but uh, they're signing uh, over the summer uh, Felipe Mora, who uh, had a fantastic season with the University of Chile last year. Uh, I mean, he's only 23, but uh, I reckon he could really hit it off in the league once he gets a bit more uh, time to adapt, really. Um, he's coming off the bench at the moment, but yeah, I mean, he's one to keep it keep your eye on the number nine um uh ollie would you agree would you say that uh, you can only imagine more chileans to to enter the league uh and uh, agree with uh, manu that yeah it, it seems to be that their style suits the league quite well i see yeah i definitely agree with that i mean the, the way the chilean football played it is again another high intensity pretty much an attack minded style of football and i think that just shows by when the Mexican side are buying from the Chilean league, it is like Chilean forwards. You've got like Mora, for example, uh, another cruiser's all. They had a, they've got Marty Rodriguez at Leon. They signed two, Alvaro, Alvaro Ramos and uh, Maxi Serrato. So they're all forward thinking, wide, wide attack minded players that they're looking for. And it just seems to suit their style of play. Marty Rodriguez, especially, I think he's one of my favorite uh, Chileans in the Mexican league. He's out injured for a couple of months now, but he's just a very exciting player. And you have, yeah, say the likes of Castillo, again from the Chilean league, just a natural goal scorer. So I think more will follow suit. Yeah, I think that we can see it's happening from other South American leagues as well. This could cover like Colombia, Ecuador, Peru. You think like Rui Diaz is doing well in a, with a Monarca. So it could be another route that uh, another um nations that Mexican sides would look to buy players from. Yeah, most certainly it'll be it'll be uh, very much welcomed uh, them coming to Liga MX because uh, I think we've all enjoyed uh, watching them and their style uh, enter the league over the last few years. But uh, we're going to talk about uh, more recent times, and well, well, we're going to pick out. Um, I'll let you go first, uh, Ollie. Uh, who stood out for you uh, this match day? You can pick either a player or you can pick uh, even a club, and just uh, briefly why. They stood out for you. I mean, I, I, 
I mentioned a moment when we were talking about Lobos, but it was a uh, which one was I go for? Julian or, or Lewis Crinalis? Uh I'll go with Julian Crinalis because he scored a bit. He was again superb for Lobos. This they probably could go, that could go to Puente as well. This style of football they're playing, it just suiting them to a T, and it's just like freeing Julian Crinalis to be like to show his potential. When he was at Tigre, it's just like if barely getting on the bench, and now he's just showing to them. Look what I can do. I scored two in two, and I'm just flourishing in this attacking role. He's just so quick, dynamic, really good with his feet, and like surprisingly good, good header of the ball. So for me, it's got to be him. Yeah, I think if if I was to pick someone, I'm I'm, I'm not going to steal your sandwich. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to share your sandwich and just say that yeah, I think we've got to pick uh, Lupos on, on this yeah. one. They they were the clear winners. I mean, even if you look at the scores, you go okay, well yeah, they they scored four. Nobody else scored that many, but. I mean, it, it, we just explained the situation earlier in the league, and yeah, I think it's it was a fantastic start to the season for them. But yeah, a, a fantastic uh, weekend uh, for them to go to Querétaro and yes, yeah, score four, unbelievable. Uh, Manu, uh, can you uh, either agree with us, or or maybe you're going to go down a different path and you're going to pick out someone that stood for you or a club that stood out for you this weekend? Um, and yeah, let us know. Uh, who exactly that's going to be? Well, the Lobos is is a very good pick, um, and I can only echo what you guys say. But um, the things that stood out for me is if, if a few things. Of course, the Rafa Marquez cross, uh, I thought that was remarkable. Eduardo Vargas's goal was probably the goal of the match day for me, and I think he's he's gotten it. I think he's trying to understand that this might be his last chance to make it at a major club and um, that he he's picking up and playing better football um, not only to salvage his club career but also to keep his position in, in the national team uh, remember with all these Chilean players coming in and, and learning how to play football in Mexico um, to do adapt to that style of football in Mexico I, I think it's, it's something that um, he has to really work and keep working hard to, to be included in a national team um, come the come the World Cup next summer. So he, I wanna I wanna point out his goal and also his performance. And what was a very frantic match between uh, Tigres and Santos Laguna. And I mean, um, for the Tigres to only walk away for draw, there is it's not the end of the world. Santos Laguna, one of the best sides in this league. Yeah, definitely. Uh... Definitely a, a game that uh, lives up to a uh, Liga MX uh, expectations, uh, I feel. Uh, but guys, we're going to do um, our choices, uh, our game choices for the coming week. Um, I am going to do this also because I believe that this side uh, deserves a bit of a shout out. Uh, the game I'm going to pick is actually the Nakaxa game. I think we've kind of... Oh, what uh, pa- strip past them? Uh, they're going to be playing away to Chivas this weekend. But Nakaxa, yeah, I mean that's two games, two wins, three goals. Haven't conceded yet. Um, I think they've had a, a very good start, and I, I think a lot of teams, or sorry, a lot of people expected them not to do as well this year. But um, I think they've made some uh, impressive signings, and yeah, I, I think you know Chivas have started fairly slowly and. Uh, I think they might just surprise them here. They might might get a win. So I'm going to highlight that game. I mean, Oli, would you say that Nakaxa have started the season fairly well? Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, them and that, it's the only two teams that have to win both their games so far. They've, I mean, they've beaten Veracruz, who Veracruz were quite poor, and then they beat Tijuana. And that, okay, Tijuana obviously not started the season well, but Nakaxa would, if they're thinking on the points for you to stay up, That'd be like they, they would probably targeted very crudely to win the draw against Tijuana, but no, that's a great start for them. And they're, I mean, they've had a really good debut season for them, and maybe this is they could try and push on to get into the playoffs. I mean, it's a very, I mean, it's a big ask for them still, but why not if they've started this well? Why not keep going at this rate? Uh, do, do you think if if I say that Nakaxa uh, might just uh, continue that uh, winning streak against Chivas this weekend, would would you agree with that, or would you? Or, or I mean, how would you say that would pile pressure on the likes of uh, Almeida? It'd be t- I mean, that would put a lot of pressure on him, yeah. I mean, Chivas haven't exactly started well, not playing this free-flowing football that we're known to see them. I, I mean, they've got a lot of injuries out, but 
I still think that's going to be tough for Nakaxa to get a win away at Chivas. I can I can see him getting the point. I just think a win would be a big ask for them. Well, then I'm, I'm going to put uh, your neck on the block, Ollie. <laughs> uh, I'd say, yeah. <laughs> uh, I just, not, not towards that game, but I'm going to say, uh, what uh, game are you going to highlight uh, this weekend? Oh, I can't see past the uh, Classico Capitolado between Club America and Pumas. Knew it. You didn't beat them to it. Um, that's why I went to you first, and, and purposely why I didn't go for it. I thought I thought I'd let you boys fight it out. But yeah, that, that's always a massive occasion. What way do you see it going, Ollie? Oh, I just uh, derbies in Liga MX are superb. I mean, I've only again watched this only for a year, and, and I can only compare them to sort of English and other European ones. But it's the the atmosphere, the fr- frenetically how fr- that's not going to work. How frantic a game could be, and Derbies are just they have like an, another edge to them and I mean, America and Pumas two of the biggest sides in the league yeah that's going to be a cracking match with 3am kickoff UK time so I'll be wide awake for it uh, would you like to do a prediction uh, I'm going to predict America to win no <laughs> you're doing everything wrong Ollie <laughs> oh, you even did a prediction I mean we didn't get the score but yeah that'll do 2-1 <laughs> uh, <laughs> 2-1 oh wow I'm going to say that Nakaxa are going to be Chivas 2-0 um, yeah, let's go to Manu. Yeah, yeah. There's no no decent games left for you, is there? <laughs> well, yeah, there's I'm always decent games. The Toluca Atlas, and the game that we mentioned earlier. That's that's one. You know, obviously, obviously, you have to watch the the classical um, Club America Pumas at the Azteca. Uh, Hundred thousand seats, fully packed. Uh, it's stay up for it, or if you come back from a pub in the middle of the night in the UK, um, <laughs> stay up, stay up, watch it. Um, you know, you'll, you'll be in for a treat, and Pumas are obviously gonna win 3 0. So there's that. Um, <laughs> 3 0. Oh, you haven't been drinking and barbecuing again, have you? Uh, it's still early, it's only 10 a.m. here, so uh, no. <laughs> Drunk from the night before. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, he's really put his neck on the line. No, yeah, yeah, work, I am, brilliant but, work. Um, Toluca Atlas, I can only recommend that game. Toluca is for me one of those teams that are very much under the radar. Similar to Nikaha, of course, Nikaha only that's only the second season in the league, right? But uh, Toluca, yeah, but a very strong side, so I it's it's one that I would watch because Atlas have um, also really impressed me. Um, this early on in the season so that's going to be a fantastic game well it's a fantastic game and also if you're in Europe uh, that's actually on at uh, 6pm UK time uh, so that that's perfect for viewing you don't have to stay up too late it's on a Sunday evening that that works very well and it, it's on very early obviously it, over in America but yeah if you want a game but you can't manage to stay up tune into that one that's going to be a good introduction to league mx if you haven't already got involved um guys that more or less does it for this week um ollie um once again it's been an absolute delight having you on um uh, what, what have you got going on this week or where can people find you on the likes of twitter yeah thank you very much for having me again i've got a few got the copper mx this week as well so i'll be having to cover some of that but apart from that i'll be back up watching Recording Mexico, you can find me on Twitter at FRFootball, F U T B O L Ollie O L L Y. Fantastic. Yes, um, especially uh, give him a follow if you uh, want to see uh, lots of uh, comments on Twitter uh, during the games and lots of gifts. No doubt I'll be uh, joining in when I can. Uh, Manu, you're always busy. Well, apart from this weekend when we were uh, doing your work for you. But um, uh, what have you got going on this week? What would you like to draw people's attentions to? And where can they find you on Twitter? Yeah, second leg um, UCL previews are up on footballgrad.com. So they're all online. UEL, so the Europa League previews are going to be published this uh, today, actually. Uh, so following this podcast and the podcast that we're recording right after this, uh, the Gegen Pressing podcast. So... That's another thing I want to point out. And uh, we are going to preview the MLS All-Star game against Real Madrid on Football Sidage. So that can all be found at Football Grad Live on Twitter. And you can follow me at Manuel Weff. And yeah, I'm looking forward to you know lots of Mexican action um, during the week, Cobra Max. 
Liga Max. Uh, it's going to be a fun week, I think. Yeah, definitely. It's always fun when there's Mexican football involved. Um, I've got not much to plug this week. Maybe I'll get back to writing sometime soon. I should probably do that, shouldn't I, Manu? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we'll we'll bunch a few ideas off each other. But if you want to find uh, me on Twitter, it's at BryceDunn11. Uh, Manu, I, I think you haven't said something uh, in particular this week, and I think that would be the appropriate way to see out the pod, wouldn't it? Golazo! Thanks for tuning in. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code STAPLE20.